So anyway, we're going to, um, if you're visiting with us here this morning, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I'm Joe. I'm one of the pastors uh, here, and I have the privilege this morning of opening God's Word with you. Uh, if you're looking for a good church home, you can stop looking. You found one. And uh, if you're looking for a community where you can uh, where you can be with people who are striving to worship God well and to share the gospel uh, around the world and in our own neighborhoods, to love each other uh, and to serve each other with our gifts, um, to walk with Jesus daily, this is that kind of a place. Uh, these are the things that we are trying to accomplish. Uh, if you've missed a few weeks, man, this thing is not one to stay on my face. I guess my ear has got skinnier or fatter or something. I don't know what's going on. But anyway, uh, if you've missed a few weeks, uh, we have been going through the the book of Genesis together, and uh, we're going to be looking uh, here this winter and fall at Genesis chapter 1 to 11, and we're up to chapter 5 uh, this week. Last week in chapter 4, we saw how quickly sin spread, and we, we saw the first murder the first polygamist, uh, the first uh, prideful murderer, the guy who's not only a murderer but is not ashamed of the fact. We saw the first civilization which was advancing in technology but was declining morally and spiritually. Uh, We saw how a, a group of people can have a lot more in common with Sodom than with the Garden of Eden and yet be very technologically advanced. Uh, And in the midst of all that mess, we also saw God raising up people who began to call upon His name and who are looking for the one who was to come, the one that God had promised, uh, even as He cursed the first couple, Adam and Eve, our first parents, Uh, For their sin, God is promising a deliverer who is to come. And so those who are calling on the Lord are are looking for him, even as they groan under the curse. They're thinking, maybe this one, maybe this boy is going to be the one who is to come, the promised seed of the woman. Um, And we're going to see this week if they found it or not, because we're going to get into one of these chapters that everybody loves. Uh, If you read it in King James, you read, and -and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and uh, and you're going to go, who is this blessing? What is this about? Uh, But you're going to see that there is a lot here that God has for us to learn that actually relates and applies to your life, believe it or not. So if you've got your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 5, and we're going to look at the first five verses initially. And uh, so if you Uh, Turn there and read along with me here. This is the written account of Adam's line. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. And when they were created, he called them man. And when Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. And after Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. And altogether, Adam lived 930 years, and then he died. Now, this part of the chapter 
uh, is the recounting of the creation story. And it leads up to the, to the birth of Seth. And there's a, a few important details, first of all, to notice in these, few, these first five verses of this chapter. First thing, I want you to realize that he is going back to creation and he's talking about how God had originally made things to be. And I think he wants everybody who's... Re- the reason that that's there is that he is wanting everybody to realize that the way that it's going with Cain and his line and that civilization that comes from him culminating in Lamech, the seventh uh, from Adam, uh, the polygamist who marries two women, Ada and Zillah, and they have children that are these very sophisticated, smart, technologically crafty people who are able to invent art and music and wonderful stuff, even as their civilization morally is going down the tube circling the drain, that even in the midst of that, that God is calling people back to life in His original design. And so He clarifies, what was the original design? That God created man in His likeness. He created male and female and called them both man. Humanity is the term we might use. And that together, as they were connected together, that they reflected the image of God. And he leaves out that bit about the curse. Because he's wanting everybody to focus on what was the original plan? What was the design? What were we supposed to be? And it says, when Adam, people need reminding of these things. Because by this point in the account, we see that, that men and women are not created equally in the image of God. Lamech in the line of Cain is collecting women as status symbols, trophy wives. That, that idea goes back a long time, but it is not part of God's design. And certainly, since human beings are created in the image of God, being proud of murdering one is not part of God's plan, not part of God's design. People need reminding. And the other thing I think you need to notice here is that people beginning with Adam are aging. That wasn't part of the original design. In the first four chapters, you don't read about people aging. But you're beginning to see people starting to mark off the years because they know that the day is coming when the curse is going to be fulfilled in their life and they're going to have their ticket punched. Men and women were not originally created to die, but they're going to. And you're going to see a lot of it in this chapter. And so people start marking off the years. Well... You know, it's just like it's just like when we're you know when you're a little kid. You know, when you're a little kid, you ask a little kid, "How old are you?" I'm three and a half. You know, because that half is really important when you're three. I mean, this is a big chunk of your life at that point, right? And and of course, when you get to be about my age, you start sort of fudging how many years you you really are, especially if you're a woman. 
right? um, I've never met a woman older than 29. That's never happened, right? Um, And except when you get significantly older, you know, once you get really on the downhill side of life, then you start bragging again, right? I'm 99 and a half, (laughs) you know, because... You're a tough old bird, and you've survived, and doggone it, people need to know. <laughs> okay? Um, but men and women are starting to age, and they're starting to count the years. And Adam lives to be 130, and he has a son named Seth, and then he lives another 800 years. Now, something you'll notice in this chapter, just generally, is that people are living a long time, a whole lot longer than what uh, we would normally anticipate today. And I think there are a couple explanations for that. Number one, I think the environment was significantly different prior to the flood, because after the flood, you don't see these great ages of people. Uh, and so it may well be that uh, that the earth with its uh, water canopy, the way that it was made originally, was like living in a bariatric chamber, and people heal faster and live longer uh, and that. And that's a possibility that some Bible scholars postulate. Another possibility is simply that God slowed down the aging process initially to allow the earth to be filled with people so that it wouldn't be completely wild everywhere, Uh, so that people could live a long time, their reproductive lives were lengthy, uh, and you didn't truly get old until you were really up there, you know, well, he's not an old man yet, he's not yet 900, you know, (laughs) Um, (laughs) and, uh, and you still maintain your vigor for a long time because God's plan was to fill the earth with people. Uh, I don't know. I know that the text presents these as factual, and, and because I believe there is nothing in the Bible that deceives me, I believe they're factual ages. Uh, they're probably marked off on a lunar calendar, so they're probably just a little bit younger than what's recorded by our standards, because we use a solar calendar, um, where you know, we have months that are different lengths and so forth, instead of every month is 28 days. But... But never mind that, still, you're still talking about people who live hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And like something out of Lord of the Rings, you know, the, the high men like Aragorn that lived forever, live a long time. Um, and yet at the end, they still die. Something else you'll, you, you need to know as you read this text is that there is no Hebrew word, and Genesis is originally written in Hebrew, there is no Hebrew word uh, for uh, descendant. There is no Hebrew word for, uh, that refers to a patrilineal relationship other than father. Okay, So in other words, uh, my dad could be referred to as the father of my sons, okay? Uh, And -and so-and-so became the father of so-and-so. Well, there's a generation in between, me, but there's no Hebrew word to delineate that. And so when it says so-and-so became the father of, in some cases that is 
exactly the relationship. In other cases, there is a long gap. Let me give you a couple examples, okay? Uh, first of all, the kings of Judah are all, are all judged in the book of uh, Chronicles and of Kings, especially you get this, according to the standard of, their, of David. Now, David is the first king who is of the line of Judah. And all of the kings uh, that follow after him in his line are judged according to the standard. Now, and you get this comment. Now, he walked in the, if he was a good king, he walked in the ways of his father, David. Well, David, his father, might be 400 years previous. But nonetheless, he is considered to be, because he is a descendant of David, David is his father, and he imitates David's manner of life. Uh, or give you, let me give you an, another example here. 1 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 24. You don't have to turn there. You can trust me on this. It's, the, this, it's there. The text literally reads this way. It says, And Shebuel, the son of Gershom, the son of Moses, was in charge of the treasuries. Now, here's the deal. Gershom was the son of Moses, the direct son. But Shebuel is 400 years later. And what they're saying is, this guy is a descendant of Moses through Gershom. But they use the word son and father. There's a big gap in between. And so some of these relationships, and we don't necessarily know which ones, some of these relationships are probably not direct father-son relationships, okay? All right. That's important for you to know because sometimes uh, in, in previous history, people have not understood this, and they've tried to calculate, well, how old is the planet based on the chronologies that are here in Genesis? You can't do that. If you do do that, what you find out is that uh, Noah and Abraham are sharing the earth at the same time. That's not the chronology that the Scripture presents. Uh, there are large gaps of time that, take, that, that happen through this. And so I don't think that, some, that, that every time it says father, that it literally means Father, there's just no Hebrew word for that. His great great grandson was so and so, right? There may be multiple generations in between. Uh, that's important for you to know that. All right, and and the re but the reason this lineage is recounted is that the seed of the woman is going to come from this line, the line of Seth, and specific people within that line, are carrying it on. Because remember, God doesn't just choose just people in general. He chooses specific people. And so within, within the line of Judah, God chose David. And then within the line of David, he chose Solomon to be king. And then after Solomon, he chose Rehoboam to be king, and, and so on, all the way down to Jesus. But you're starting to see this narrowing happen 
of we've got the whole human race, and then it's the line of Seth, not the line of Cain, and then the line from Seth on down to his son, uh, Enosh, and then from him on down to another son further down the line. And, you, and out of all the mass of people that are there, God has got a specific little golden line of folks that he is going to call out that eventually is going to become the nation of Israel, which, of, of which there's going to be a tribe called Judah, of which there's going to be a certain family, Jesse's family in the line of Judah, who's going to give rise to David, who's going to give rise to the line of the kings, who are going to eventually, through a certain set of circumstances, bring forth the seed of the woman. But you get this narrowing of humanity. Uh, and God is naming enough people in that line so that you know exactly which, where the Messiah is coming from. All right? All right. Uh, the line of Seth. Let's go on here. Verse 6. When Seth had lived 105 years, he became the father of Enosh. And after he became the father of Enosh, Seth, Seth lived 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Seth, Seth lived 912 years, and then he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he became the father of Kenan. And after he became the father of Kenan, Enosh lived 815 years and had other sons and daughters. And altogether, Enosh lived 905 years, and then he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he became the father of Mahalalel, I think. And after he became the father of Mahalalel, uh, Kenan lived 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Kenan lived 910 years, and then he died. And when Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he became the father of Jared. And after he became the father of Jared, Mahalalel lived 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Mahalalel lived 895 years, and then he died. And when Jared had lived 162 years, he became father of Enoch. And after he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived 962 years, and then he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more, because God took him away. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he became the father of Lamech. And after he became the father of Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Methuselah lived 969 years, and then he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son. He named him Noah and said, He will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. After Noah was born, Lamech lived 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Lamech lived 777 years, and then he died. After Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, out of all of Adam's children, Seth is the one that is chosen to carry forward the line of the Messiah. And after Seth, God chose his son Enosh, and then Kenan, and then Mahalalel, and then Jared. And we are told how long 
these people lived, but we are, have no idea how long there is between each of them. Again, there's, there's no specific word in Hebrew to de designate patrilineal relationships other than father. And so we're not sure how many of these are sons in the sense that we think of it normally. But So there may be hundreds and even thousands of years that separate some of these people. But we read over and over and over again. You get the same pattern. In fact, when I was, I, I, you may not know this, but I manuscript all of my sermons completely out, every word I'm going to say. Now, I don't necessarily always follow that. But nonetheless, I put it all out there because sometimes if I put it in print, I can clarify my thinking. And plus, I have it to get, go back to if I get stuck, and that helps. Um, you know, that, tra that train of thought derailed at the station. Where was I? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and when you're typing this, it's very monotonous. And all you have to change in the first several verses is the number of years and the name of the guy. And so you can just copy and paste all the way down uh, if you're doing this on your computer like me. And, and, and it's monotonous because it's supposed to be. Because you're supposed to get, and he died, 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 and he died. Why? Because death is not normal. Death is an abnormal condition for human beings. We are not supposed to do that. We are only do that because of sin, because of the curse that God pronounced on us as a result of our first parents taking in rebellion against God, what he had explicitly told them not to. He said, when you eat this, you will die. You will surely die. And they do. And so the train rolls on, and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died. And then you get this break in this pattern that just rolls on. When Enoch had lived... 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. Now, what we expect to read is, and after he became the father of Methuselah, he lived X and so years and had other sons and daughters, and altogether Enoch lived X and so years, and then he died. Because that's been the pattern all the way up to now. But you get this break. It says, and after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. 300 years. That's different. We were told back in chapter 4, at that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. And this is a guy who has a living relationship with God that imitates the one that Adam and Eve had. Remember? God came down in the cool of the day to walk with them in the garden. And this picks up, Enoch's life picks up that language that he walked with God for 300 years. Now, that's pretty good. Not even Abraham did that. This guy is an outstanding 
fellow. He walked with God. He's a righteous man. He is seeking to follow and obey and to know God. And as a reward for his faithfulness, after 300 years, he is one of two men in all the scriptures of whom this is recorded, that he did not die. The other one is Elijah. So we're talking elite company here, all right? Uh, I have joked with the elders and with Karen that I'm still holding out a lot of hope that if the rapture doesn't come, that God has another fiery chariot for me when it's my day, (laughs) okay? Uh, I don't think that that will happen. I don't think I stand morally in that category, Elijah, Enoch, Joe. No. (laughs) I don't think that's going to happen, okay? Um, I think my best hope is for the coming of the Lord when the trumpet will blow, and then all of us who are alive and remain will depart to be with the Lord face to face forever, right? You know, as as Woody Allen said, I'm not afraid of dying. I just don't want to be there when it happens, right? And there's a lot of truth in that. Even for us who are believers in Christ, we know that to be absent from the body is to be face to face with the Lord, but it's still painful to us in the process and to everybody around us. And death is exercising its reign as a result of sin over all of humanity. And it's terrible. And Enoch is a type of the the righteous person whom God snatches out before judgment falls. Because judgment is coming. Those of you who know your Bible know chapter 6 is going to happen. And judgment's going to fall. But Enoch gets taken out. He gets snatched out. And and from Enoch descends Methuselah. Now, everybody knows Methuselah. He's the answer on a Bible trivia card question somewhere. How old, you know, who's the oldest man in the Bible? Methuselah, 969 years. And from him is born Lamech. And the way that the writer of Genesis has arranged the genealogies, guess who is parallel to this guy in the line of Seth? Another guy named Lamech. Okay? And this Lamech, godly Lamech, is one who is looking for relief from the curse and from God's judgment, whereas ungodly Lamech, the descendant of Cain, who's also seven generations, recorded generations from Adam, is mocking God's judgment and mocking the curse that God put on the line of Cain. Godly Lamech is saying, O Lord, this is terrible that we live under your judgment. Maybe we would find some relief. He names his son Noah, which means rest. We need some rest from the curse. And maybe my son, maybe this boy is going to come and he's going to bring rest from the painful toil that we've had inflicted on us. Doesn't turn out to be Noah. But one descended from Noah is going to bring peace. It's going to bring rest. The world at this time, as in our time, sounds like a Winston Churchill speech. 
It is full of blood and toil and tears and sweat. And it's tough. And there is no relief in sight because sin and death still exercise their reign over humanity, right? Noah himself grows up to be a godly man, and he becomes the focus, actually, of the next four chapters. Uh, Chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9 are all about Noah and about his walk of faithfulness before God. Now, he has some bumps in the road. But when we are faithless, God remains faithful, and God is faithful to Noah, and he uses him in spite of his unrighteousness uh, sometimes. I want to say to you that we feel the curse, the weight of it every day. If you're a godly person, every day that you wake up is a good day because it's another day that you have to experience God's grace. But the world that we live in is hard, and we feel the weight of the curse on this planet and on us because of our sin every day. I dare say that most of us felt it this week. Amen. And we cry out for justice and for relief. Life is hard. Work turns into toil that breaks our bodies and breaks our spirits and steals from us the best years of our short life on this planet. Our relationships, our bodies, our jobs, our homes, our creativity, our relationship with God, even the creation of which we are a part cries out for relief from the weight of sin and death. And all of us, just like everybody in here except Enoch, unless we are still alive at the coming of Christ, which I hope we are, I hope it's today, In fact, I hope it's now, because life here is hard. But unless that happens, unless we are alive when Christ returns, we're going to face death one day. And you can write, they can write your epitaph, and he died, and she died. Life here as the... the, uh, as Thomas Hobbes said, is nasty, brutish, and short. But if you are a person who, like godly Lamech, is crying out for rest, I think, I believe that the promised one has come. It wasn't Noah, but it was one descended from Noah through his son Shem, who has come to bring rest, the rest that Noah couldn't provide, that Noah didn't provide, God has provided through his own son, descended from Seth, descended from Noah, descended from David, who has come to bring rest. Remember what he said? He said, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. All you who are weary and heavy laden today, I know there are a lot of you out there who are carrying grief and burden and pain and suffering and the weight of sin. 
is beating up your marriage maybe, beating up your relationship with your kids, beating up your relationship with your family, beating on you every day as you get up and go to your job, beating you up as you drive your car in all of this slush and snow and grossness, and you go, oh, God, when is it going to be spring? (laughs) I don't ask for much. I just like to see grass, you know, not for me, but for my children, for I have seen it, right? (laughs) Um, And we just get weary and tired and crushed down by life. And Jesus says to us, I am the one who was to come, and I can give you rest. Now, if you are a person here today and you have never come to Jesus to find the rest that he offers, can I offer it to you in his name? Use his words. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It doesn't come from me. It comes from him. It comes from Jesus, who through his blood shed on the cross, pays the penalty for sin. He fulfills the promise that God made of crushing the serpent and one day restoring us to the garden and we will walk with God face to face. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, let me just tell you this. There is so much encouragement and hope and life when we are crushed down. If we will come to Jesus and we'll say, look, here is my sack of stuff. All of the pain and struggle and sweat and blood of this life that, I, that I've gone through, it's yours. Take it from me. Let me have some rest as I just trust you with it. Because, you know, the thing is, the great thing about God is that he never sleeps. And so when you give it to him... You can rest because he's going to be up anyway. Amen? He's going to be up anyway. You might as well leave it with him. If you are burdened, if you're feeling heavy laden, come to Jesus today. Leave your burden there and find rest in his presence. Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your